you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Hello, Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential, along with Vince Imperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends. Vince, it's good to be back with you. Great to be back with you. And I got I got a... Maybe a, a starting a curse. I got somebody traded. Yeah, you uh, spent yesterday's episode talking about the possibility of Lance Lynn coming to the Dodgers. And now he will almost assuredly not be coming to the Dodgers because he got traded on Monday. So did another guy who you and I both wouldn't have minded seeing in Dodger Blue, Rizel Iglesias. So we're going to talk about those things. We're going to talk about uh, a sad big league death and or former big league death i guess he's not still in the big leagues and we're going to talk about uh some questions we got from listeners about nolan arenado so that's the plan for today but first we want to remind you please subscribe to locked on dodgers wherever you get your podcasts and when you get in your car or sit on your couch tell your smart device to play podcast locked on dodgers all right let's start with lance lynn first vince um what'd you do i don't know i i thought it was I just added Joey Gallo to Lance Lynn and said that would be an off-the-wall thing the Dodgers could do that would fill a couple roles, but apparently someone else had plans for Lance Lynn, and now he will not be pitching for the Dodgers. But he won't really be affecting the Dodgers unless they play the White Sox in the World Series, so it's not the worst thing. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I'm not heartbroken about it. I I think Lance Lynn is fine, uh, but something about here's the thing. I've been a big fat guy in his mid-30s before, and so I know from experience that big fat guys in their mid thirties uh, can go downhill pretty quick. And so, uh, you know, it's one of those things where not that I think Lynn is a fluke. I just think he is whenever he regresses, it won't surprise me at all. And so it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he regresses uh, 2021. Although the fact that he will be playing in the AL central, a division without any major league teams last time I checked uh, probably helps his chances of continuing to be good, leaving the AL West that, if nothing else, had the Astros and, and Mike Trout. Uh, you know, he's going to a division where the White Sox might be the only team actively trying to win. And Not so the, twi- the Twins. That's true. The Twins, yeah, I don't know. I I know the Twins are good. I just don't know how much I believe in them, you know? Like, I mean, they they just have to not play the Yankees one year, and then we see what can happen. Yeah, I, I just wonder how much of their success comes from being in the AL Central without any major league teams. So, uh, but they do have, you know, some former Dodgers. So, so they have that going for them. Uh, but yeah, Lance Lynn, that was an interesting interesting trade. The Rangers got Dane Dunning for him. The Rangers kind of maybe learned from their mistake of not trading Mike Miner when they should have, and ended up getting. Uh, box of peanuts for him and instead they got a pretty darn good pitching prospect for Lance Lynn uh, who is 
I think we will look back and see that the Rangers won this trade. I don't know if they will win the trade in 2021, but I think they did. I, I think they got some good value for one one year of Lance Lynn. Yeah, and that's what I mentioned on yesterday's show is that the the idea I proposed was more for a 2021 push, obviously with Lance Lynn being a free agent after that year and then Gallo the year after. But, yeah, I'm not heartbroken about it. The Dodgers have a full rotation. That just would have been a move for next season specifically. Yeah, and then the other news is that the Angels acquired Rice Iglesias from the Reds. Uh, they got him for Noe Ramirez and a player to be named later. And uh, we actually had a, a DM from a listener, Blake Tucker. Uh, he said, Rizal Iglesias is someone I've wanted the Dodgers to get for a while now. The Angels got him for practically nothing. Do you think Friedman was going after him at all? I feel like he would have been a perfect fit for our bullpen. And looking at what the Reds got for him, you have to wonder if they really did much shopping around because Noe Ramirez uh, is like the definition of nothing to write home about. He's not a bad pitcher. Uh, he's a solid reliever, but it definitely seems like one of 29 teams would have put together a better offer than Noe Ramirez for Rysel Iglesias. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And, you know, I tweeted that too, is that maybe the Dodgers either the Reds didn't call anyone else after they got that deal or, you know, whatever it was, it seems like a lot of teams could have beat it. The near $10 million price tag, you know, I don't think that would have priced out the Dodgers or any other team or some other teams are probably priced out some a lot of other teams. So not really sure what exactly was going on. You know, the Dodgers going in or maybe they have other plans or other ideas or maybe they're just going to, you know, roll the dice that Kenley Jansen and co can all kind of come together as they did last year. But, yeah, I mean, good for the Angels. They, they need they need starting pitching, but they need bullpen as well. So uh, that's a good move on there. And the Reds seem to be shedding payroll, which the NL Central is about to be worse than the AL Central. No, None of those teams are spending money. Everybody's either retooling, rebuilding, or just kind of staying the same. So the good thing is that, assuming there's a regular season, make sure the Dodgers get to play against all those NL Central teams. And, you know, the point you made about the Iglesias' salary, that's definitely – a big part of why the hall was so low. He's owed almost $10 million. He only has one year left on his contract. Uh, I'm sure if the Reds had been willing to eat some of that money, they could have got better prospects or better major leaguers for Iglesias. But, but yeah, it's interesting. And I, I'd love to see a behind the scenes on how that went down because it does, even with the salary, it seems to me like somebody would have beat that offer. I don't know if they were ever linked. Maybe we talked about Rice Iglesias probably two years ago as being a potential guy for the Dodgers, and then it never ended up happening. And honestly, we hadn't even heard anything about him being shopped. It just happened to be that they're traded. But the good thing is that the winter meetings, there's been two trades of pretty good players so far, so maybe there will be more as the week chugs along. Um, all right, we normally do our obscure former Dodger after the break, but we're going to jump in and do it now. Uh, and that is because for our obscure former Dodgers today, we are doing Dick Allen, who passed away on Monday at the age of 78. And uh, he only played with the Dodgers for one year. And so Dick Allen is not an obscure baseball player at all, but his, uh, his time with the Dodgers is 
relatively obscure. He came up with the Phillies, won the Rookie of the Year award, was a, a three-time All-Star, got MVP votes all four, uh, his first four full seasons with the Phillies. He was just, he could hit. And then he struggled a little bit his last couple of years with the Phillies. Um, I, I mean, relatively speaking, may, maybe more with injury than anything else. Um, and then uh, he went to the Dodgers and then uh, he had a good season with the Dodgers, but nothing great. And then the Dodgers traded him to the White Sox and they got Tommy John back. And uh, so Tommy John then pitched for quite a while for the Dodgers. So uh, Dick Allen played a, a big part in Dodger history, even though he only played for one year with them. Uh, but the year after the Dodgers traded him to the White Sox, he won the MVP award for the White Sox. Uh, he was just, he, he was, for throughout his career, he was pretty bad defensively but he was legitimately a great hitter. He had the same career OPS plus as Willie Mays and Frank Thomas, both of whom are in the Hall of Fame and uh, both of whom are in the Hall of Fame in good part because of their hitting. Willie Mays is a in the conversation of the best player ever because of his defense, but his hitting would have got him into the Hall of Fame. It's uh, kind of ridiculous to me that Dick Allen isn't in the Hall of Fame yet, and assuming he does get in at some point, he will then be the seventh Hall of Famer to have died in 2020, uh, which uh, would tie the most, tie 1972, when Roberto Clemente on the last day of the year uh, became the seventh Hall of Famer that year to die. And so this, unfortunately, has been a record-setting year for great baseball players passing away, and Dick Allen is just the latest. So uh, tribute to him. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family, and uh, yeah, sad to see him go. Do you have any Dick Allen thoughts? No, I mean, I wasn't that well-versed in Dick Allen, but now that everything, and I've been kind of doing some research today, it looks like he was a great fun guy, and I'll probably, you know, get a little bit into more of it just to see how he was. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, we will come back in a minute to talk about Nolan Arenado and uh, a couple questions that we got from listeners about him. So keep it locked on, Dodgers. If you want to hear more about Lance Lynn, Rysel Iglesias, and everything else that's going on, in Major League Baseball as a whole, be sure to check out Locked On MLB, hosted by our friend Paul Francis Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. You can get Locked On MLB wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about Nolan Arenado. Uh, we had two different listeners uh, write into us, one on the DM on Twitter and one on a text message, and uh, their questions are not the same, but I'm going to read them both, and then we can just kind of use all that to launch into a Nolan Arenado conversation. And once again, my goal is to get through this whole episode pronouncing his last name Arenado the way it's apparently supposed to be pronounced instead of Arenado the way I always have. And maybe at some point I'll get to the point where Arenado feels right. Uh, but Douglas Stanley at Doug's, no, Dog Stain on Twitter he wrote us in on DM and he said, hey guys, people are still talking about Arenado. You've certainly mentioned him, but one thing I don't hear about is his clubhouse chemistry. Lots of folks don't put any stock in that, but I do. Isn't Arenado a little B-word? Like Machado level B-word? Uh, he is always mad about something and I'm not sure he'd fit. I know he's a lifelong Dodger fan and all, but I think he'd still be a little B-word and become part of the Dodgers let's just have fun ethos. Um, and then... Uh, Greg from Bartlett, Illinois, sent us a text message, and he said, 
Hey guys, I keep seeing speculation about the Dodgers trading top prospects for Nolan Arenado, and I keep wondering why. The Angels got Anthony Rendon for about the same average annual value plus a second round pick. If you factor in Arenado's uh, road splits, 200 points worse on OPS on the road, isn't Rendon's value at least somewhat higher? On top of that, MLB's depressed economics make it much harder for teams to take on big contracts this year. Consequently, I'm thinking that if Arenado was a free agent today, he'd be looking at something like six at $25 million a year. If so, isn't his trade value significantly less than zero at six at $33 million? What do you think? So, a lot to think about Arenado. Kind of related questions, whether it's his clubhouse chemistry or just whether he is worth his contract. Uh, so, Vince, let's. Uh, what do you want to say about any of that? Yeah, there's a lot to get into. I'll start off with a cu- just a couple points. One point on road splits with Rockies players. While there is some stock sometimes in that, uh, there was an article. I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was... Mike Petriello on MLB.com. Yeah, and it, it basically told how it, it goes beyond you know the road and home splits when you play in Colorado, playing in that in that environment kind of has a takes a toll on your body the fact of where the rockies are they travel a little bit more than some other teams because they have to travel basically every time they play uh, for more than a couple hours and there's just a lot that more that goes into it than just playing your home games at coors we've seen guys more recently like dj lemayhew still be a good hitter uh, outside of that we've seen other guys be have no issues playing outside of, of, of uh, not Petco, Coors Field. So I don't take too much stock in that. I think Nolan Arnato's a good hitter, and I think he'd be fine, especially when you put him in the middle of a Dodgers lineup. Uh, when it comes to his attitude, I don't 100% you know, agree with, with uh, Doug's point, but I do see where he's coming from. I don't think anyone... Or at least if you're if you're a Dodger fan and you kind of only watch when the Dodgers play the Rockies or just whenever the Rockies, if they're ever on, uh, you know, game of the week or whatever it is, it doesn't really look like he's ever having fun playing the game. Or maybe not ever, but it looks very rarely that he's, you know, smiling and having fun playing the game. And there's a few contributing factors to that maybe, you know, playing with the Rockies now that they're not winning. Uh, but he has, you know, he signed the contract there. And even when they were winning, he, he just doesn't have that type of attitude. And I don't think that's, I think it's a product of kind of being on the Rockies, especially the last couple of years when they haven't put any uh, stock into the team after they took the Dodgers to game 163. And I think he's just a different type of player. And, and we've seen that, you know, Clayton Kershaw was like that early on. And, and we didn't really get to see the side of his personality that we do now. And there's other guys like that. And I don't think it's a wrong thing. You know, Chase Headley's another guy like that, who we kind of saw a softer side when he came to the Dodgers, but more so because of, you know, all the other stuff going on with Kike and Seager and calling him dad and all that kind of stuff. So I don't see it as an issue, but I do see how he can be portrayed that way. And I kind of get it. Yeah, and I'm kind of the same way on his attitude. I think he's an intense competitor. Uh, for me, there's no comparison between him and Machado. Uh, Manny Machado, you know, threw bats at other players. He, you know, Machado is a dirty player and a whiner. And and Arenado, I think, is mostly just an intense competitor. I think he can sulk sometimes when things don't go his way or whatever, but uh I, I think it would be more likely that the Dodgers would bring out the best in Arenado than the, that he would bring out the worst in them. As for his home road splits, you know, going into more detail on that Petriello article, basically 
playing your home games in Coors makes you worse on the road. Not just worse than you are at Coors, but actually worse because 81 games of the year, you are seeing curveballs that don't break as sharply. You're seeing, you know, uh, all these things, all the things that make it hard to be a pitcher in Coors Field. There's a reason for that. And so when you go on the road, you go down to Petco and suddenly curveballs are breaking three inches more than they were in Denver, it takes you a couple games to get acclimated to that. And it's not that he can't hit the curveball that breaks, it's that his his muscle memory, by playing half his games where breaking balls don't break as much, he's not as attuned to you just swing in the wrong place. And so we, we saw it with DJ LeMahieu, we've seen it with other guys where, yeah, their numbers are inflated by play, playing in cores, but it's much more likely that uh, Arenado, if he went to a team like the Dodgers, would uh, would level out at numbers that are not as good raw numbers as his Coors numbers, but OPS plus wise, you know, on a uh, field adjusted basis, I think he would be roughly the same quality hitter that he's been. And so for me, the question about Arenado, uh, I don't, I caught myself there. Uh, the question about him isn't about his his bat or his attitude it's about the fit and uh i guess addressing the other question that that greg asked with regards to why would the dodgers trade prospects for him when he's so overpaid and and for me i honestly believe if the dodgers were to go after nolan arenado it the the rockies would be picking up some of that salary i don't think the dodgers are going to pick up the whole salary and just take on that whole contract unless they're getting him for nothing they're definitely not going to give up prospects and take on the contract. And so I think uh, the most likely scenario would be a few, you know, mid-level prospects and the Rockies picking up some of the money. You know, if the Rockies picked up $8 million a year, then Arenado's getting roughly $25 million a year from the Dodgers, which is in line with what he's probably worth on the open market. And uh, for me, it seems like that's the most likely scenario if the Dodgers were to pursue an Arenado trade. You know, if you if you trade Arenado and you clear the money, you're not. What do you? I mean, what are you doing opening the money for Trevor Story? Maybe, but then, then you're in the same spot where you are, and you don't have Arenado, and you're still a bad team. So, you know, I don't think they can trade him without getting some value, and I don't think they can get the value they want. So, like I said, they would have to eat some money. So, in the at the end of the day, I still don't see this happening for the Dodgers, but. I think if it did happen, it's more along the lines of what you just said. Some middling prospects. You know, a guy I talked about yesterday a couple of times is Tony Gonson. I think he's kind of the perfect trade candidate if the Dodgers want to make an upgrade just because he, you know, I don't think he's better than Dustin May or Julio in the long run in terms of a rotation piece. I do think he's capable of being a number three starter on a good team, maybe a little bit higher on a bad team. And he's, basically i mean he is mlb ready he's an mlb pitcher now so i think his value and guys like that you know another guy i mentioned was dj peters who we haven't seen in the big leagues yet but is kind of a guy that would be be able to come in and probably step into a lineup and not be that bad of a of a player in terms of what you're looking for on those kind of teams that are trading like that yeah and dj peters on the rockies he could uh he could have some big power numbers because he is a a big, strong boy. He's also a pretty decent center fielder. And, you know, I don't know if he's good enough in center to to 
Rome center field at Coors Field, but because that's a big outfield. But that, that's an interesting one. Uh, I, I like Tony Gonsolin too much to for, to get on board with the idea of seeing him playing against the Dodgers so many times a year in the same division. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the fact is the Dodgers have starting pitching surplus, but also question marks. And so it's, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do this off season. Uh, the other, the other thing about Arenado is he does have an opt out after this coming season. And right now it's hard to see him opting out with the baseball economics, the way they are and the way they are likely to be. But, uh, I could see him opting out, even if he didn't feel like he could match the, you know, five and 160 million bucks or whatever he has left on his contract after next year. Even if he couldn't quite match that, uh, I could see him just wanting to get out out of Colorado. And it's always interesting to to wonder because players do have the obligation to their their fellow union members to maximize their contracts and and all of that. Uh, and but. If you're Nolan Arenado after next year and the Rockies, if you're convinced the Rockies are never going to contend, you see that the Dodgers have an opening at third base, the team you grew up rooting for, uh, you know, which the Dodgers, even if they re-sign Justin Turner this year, uh, they are likely to have an opening at third base after this coming season. And so, you know, you, you wonder if Arenado might be willing and there's probably ways to sell it with the union that that you're not really messing up if if he could go give up his 5 years 160 million dollars and sign with the Dodgers for you know 7 years and 170 million you know so less per year but but more overall money maybe maybe something like that would make sense and you know, if ever there was a time that a guy might opt out when it doesn't make sense to financially, I would think a guy who's played his whole career with the Rockies and has decided that that's never going to lead to winning might be the case. The other way about, you know, if he completely avoided the union and just wanted to come to the Dodgers or another team that's a good team for less money, realistically, if he comes to a bigger market, it opens up other marketing and things for him where he can make up maybe not all that money, but at least half that money back just in different endorsements and types of deals that he can get from being in a larger market. I mean, we've seen the L.A. market make guys like Kike brand ambassadors for Adidas and and other leagues where they, you know, if Kike had maybe stayed with the Marlins or, you know, been on the Royals or something like that. I don't know if he has that kind of notoriety. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, maybe last thing on this topic is only kind of on this topic, but you mentioned DJ LeMayhew, another former Rocky who did leave Coors Field and and hit even better as a Yankee and still had those same home road splits. He he went to the Yankees and had extreme home road splits again, uh, but he's a free agent. And Jeff Passan reported on Monday that uh, the Dodgers are one of four or five teams that he listed that are interested in LeMayhew. We've talked a little bit about that in the past, you know, whether LeMahieu, he's a gold glove second baseman at times in his career, uh, but he's also played some third base. And it makes you wonder if they are actively pursuing LeMahieu or if it is somewhat negotiation tactics uh, with Justin Turner. It, it seems weird to me that we haven't heard very much at all about the likelihood of, of Turner returning. And, uh, and maybe this is a good time to mention too that uh, apparently Rob Manfred sent a memo to all the teams saying plan on there not being a DH in the National League in 2021. 
and I'm sure that has some effect on Turner and a lot of different free agents. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts just on that whole uh, jumble of things? Turner, LeMahieu, DH, all that? In one of my solo episodes in the last couple weeks, I talked about LeMahieu and basically said that he's a, a fit for the Dodgers. He played some first. He played some second. He played some third. He could effectively come in and be like a super Kike where – you know, Kike filled in all those roles, but wasn't necessarily an everyday player. Where LeMay, he could be an everyday player and still fill some of those roles. Or he could, you know, man second base and see what they do with Lux or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and then yesterday, on yesterday's show, I talked about Turner, how it's a little bit contingent on the DH. And I said if they if they announced that it would be universal DH, I think the Dodgers would sign Turner probably in the next week or so. Or at least have some kind of negotiations where... If there is no DH, then I think it changes strategy a little bit. Um, I still think they're going to bring back Turner at the end of it just because they're not going to get after anyone else. Uh, But, yeah, the no DH part for next season would suck. Um, It seems like, I don't know, the way the article was written, it made it seem like nobody's really opposed to it. So I don't know why they kind of said that. But uh, we'll we'll see if if that changes. But, yeah, I mean, LeMahieu, the Dodgers could realistically get both and still be able to kind of fill roles that might diminish Gavin Lux's potential role a little bit, but could also t- turn a little bit into what you mentioned on your Twitter with uh, Gavin Lux being kind of a utility guy. I know they wanted to try him out in outfield uh, either last year or in twenty late 2019. And realistically, if Jock Peterson doesn't come back, there is a type of, there is a left-handed outfield spot that would be open and, Looks could get more at-bats just kind of moving around. So, you know, there's different ways of the Dodgers to attack this offseason. So it's going to, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, the DH thing comes down to what Rob Nyer and I talked about last week, which is that both the union and Major League Baseball use everything as trade ships instead of there's nobody there thinking, okay, what's best for baseball? And so as soon as Major League Baseball realized, oh, the players want the DH, then they reflexively... It's like when I ask my kids, do you, do you guys want to get pizza or pasta? And whichever one answers first, the other one answers the opposite just because they're siblings and that's what you got to do. And it's kind of the same way with, with the union and the league that as soon as the league saw that the union wanted this, the league just reflexively said, okay, then we don't. You have to give something up for it. And uh, what they really ought to do is bring in somebody like me and make a list and say, okay, here's 12 things that would be good for baseball. Union, you care about these six. League, you care about these six. Now start trading. Okay, I'll give you this thing that's good for baseball if you give me this thing that's good for baseball. And at the end of the day, we'll just improve baseball and everybody can feel like they won. And uh, unfortunately, I don't know what the answer is because right now there is nobody looking out for what's best for baseball. And so we are likely to continue getting these situations where Instead of doing what's best for baseball, everybody looks out for number one and people like, oh, you know, baseball fans are the ones that take it in the shorts. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how it is. And I mean, I guess there are people looking out for baseball, but they're just not in the positions to do anything about it. Yep. All right, Vince. Well, I think that wraps it up for today. You have any final thoughts? No, it's crazy how we had a plan for the episode and then we completely forgot the DH thing and the LeMahie thing, but it ended up working out because we got it all in. And it was nice to have the back and forth uh, while solo episodes can be fun and certainly 
you get to get everything you get you want off your chest. Uh, it's nicer talking to you. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, thank you all for listening to Locked on Dodgers. We really appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate those of you who come back day after day. If you are not listening every day, uh, we know you're busy, but if you just could add, you know, one more day per week, just, just check us out a little bit more often. Uh, we would really appreciate that. If you haven't yet subscribed, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you have Apple podcasts, go ahead and subscribe there. That helps other people find us. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Samperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog. DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number is 323-863-LOCK-5625. You can leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text at that number anytime you want. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, Tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. D. I say D O D O D G E R S. The team that's all heart, all heart, and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles. Your Los Angeles. Our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.